I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, I will say Merry Christmas to you, day late, but uh, still Christmas. And I'm uh, glad that I get to preach today because I am comfortable and anyway to preach concerning the birth of Jesus and uh, all the things that went on around that. So I'm looking forward to that. I will tell you that tonight, by God's grace, I get to preach again. And tonight, for me, it's my favorite part of the Christmas events and so on. Uh, just because these lowly shepherds. And so tonight I'm going to preach concerning the shepherds. And I haven't heard the message in a long time. And I've been wanting to hear it. And so... <laughs> That's why I'm preaching and I have preached it here before and I don't have any idea how long ago, 10 years ago, 8, 12, I don't know, but I know I preached it here before, but I haven't heard it so long. I just kept asking the Lord, is it okay? I want to preach it. I want to preach it. And I thought I was going to preach it this morning, but I'm not. I'm going to preach it tonight. I'm looking forward to it. It's my favorite part. You don't want to miss tonight. Tonight is a lot better than this morning, so I'll just go ahead and tell you that. <laughs> Which that's why I wanted to do the shepherds this morning because it's, it's a lot better. But anyway, that's not how it's going to go. So I am glad you're here. If you got a ribbon thingy, Bob, a marker, if you put it in the Matthew, Matthew chapter one, put a marker there. We're going to go back and forth uh, just a couple of times between Matthew one. And then if you turn to Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one. So much to say concerning Christ's coming. I, all the characters that are involved in it, we could spend time talking about each individual of the people. There's, you know, Zacharias and Elizabeth. There's, of course, Mary and Joseph. Tonight's the shepherds you don't want to miss tonight. And then there's the angel, Gabriel. Part of the message, it's wonderful. So if you're able, in Luke chapter 1, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. We stand to give reverence. We stand to give honor to the eternal, infallible, inerrant, the perfect, preserved word of the living God. We are blessed that we have it. And we're blessed to know that we have it. Some people are still trying to figure it out if they have it or not, but we have it. I praise His name. Yeah. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said in her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. We'll stop right there. I will just remind you that the name Jesus is mentioned here in Luke, of course, in verse 31. It's also mentioned in Matthew 1.21 to Joseph. His name shall be Jesus. Luke chapter 2, 21 and Matthew 1, 25. They all say the name Jesus. Let me pray with you, please. A great God, I come to you again and I come to you because I'm needy. 
I don't mean to come to you right now just because I always pray right after I read the scripture, but I come to you, I need you, I need your help. I'd ask you to give me ability, power, unction, utterance to communicate, to get across some of this precious, precious, timeless truth. I'd ask you to help me. I pray all of us would be willing and ready hearers of what you have to say. Of course, Christ, if there's anyone here that's not certain of their eternity, we pray you would touch them, convince them what you've done for them and how you love them, and that you'd like to forgive their sin. Us that know you, some are in love with you and relishing that love and enjoying it. I pray that you would encourage them today. There's some that perhaps are not where they used to be and where they ought to be. I pray you would touch them and speak to them today. But whatever it is, I just pray you would get all the glory and all the honor. Jesus, we really look forward to when we get to see you. And it's in your mighty and holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> there is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in mine ears. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his lovely name. And that's the reason why I love him so. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you Take it, then, where'er you go. Take the name of Jesus ever as a shield from every snare. If temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. At the name of Jesus bowing, falling prostrate at his feet, King of kings in heaven will crown him when our journey is complete. Precious name. Oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name. Oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. When we hear the name Jesus, church people, non-church people, there's automatically some things that spark. There's automatically some things that come to mind. How much he loves us. The precious song, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Jesus, how he died for us, how he lives for us. Jesus, how he sees us, how he gives to us. 
Have you ever paid attention? Have you ever noticed how much of our theology is taught to us through song? Music defines us. Some people have said culture is shaped by our music. No. No, not at all. Our music defines the culture we live in. Since you brought it up. You and I should be wary. If you don't know what that means, be aware. About the music in your life. When you and I gravitate toward music that doesn't bring him honor and glory. That is a reflection of our spirituality. Since we're talking about it. When we gather like this and assemble. Who should get the glory? Who should be honored? Who should be praised? I don't know, just since you, you're talking about it, you brought it up. I'm just, in my head, I'm just thinking, is the music, is the music of heaven? Is the music in glory? The music of this world? Is there really no difference? Does the world have a music? Does heaven have a music? I'm just, I don't know, I'm just talking to you since you brought it up. I wasn't going to talk about it, but there it is. I, I think that we would be shallow-minded to think that it doesn't matter. To drive by some worldly, at, you know, action that's going on, some event that's taking place. It, it, if, if it's worldly, I would just be shocked if it went, whoa, that sounds like hymns of faith. I drove by a church, it should be shocking if it didn't sound like hymns of faith. When you turn on your radio station, you can't tell the difference between the world's music and the hymns of the faith. Psalms, scripture songs is how the Bible calls it. Anyway, I just, it seems to me that the music, the song ought to honor and glorify him. We learn from it. And that's not anything to do with my sermon. It just came out. Actually, I guess I did have a note or two in there about that. In Luke chapter one, his name is defined for us. The angel came into her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Mercy sakes. Uh, we don't know what room she was in. You can say her bedroom. Whatever room she was in, it's as if she's the only one in there until Gabriel shows up. The Bible does say she was troubled at this saying, Hail, thou that art highly favored. I don't think that he wore a T-shirt that says, I'm an angel. <laughs> but I do know that she knows she was visited by something heavenly. And she's pondering. Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Her brain is spinning round and round. First of all, 
someone's in, a, in there with her. And he seems to be not of this earth thing. And then he says, you're highly favored. Blessed. I am certain she didn't respond like this. It does say that she, you know, uh, she was troubled. So she didn't do this. I've been looking for you. <laughs> I've been expecting you anytime. Glad to see you. Uh, no. She had no idea that God would single her out for such a mission as this. Mercy. There's no arrogance. There's no expectation. There's no pretense. Her response right now, all it is, is bewilderment. Gabriel interrupts her bewilderment, her troubling, and he says to her, verse number um, 28, the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou hearty favor. Verse 29, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner. Verse number 30, and the angel said, he, he interrupts her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son shall call his name Jesus and he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. In these four verses some of the corner posts of Christianity are established. Multitudes of books have been written concerning the truth in these few verses. One of the things that I think we ought to pay attention to and be aware of is the grace of God that's evident in these verses. Look at verse 28. It says, Thou art highly favored. Verse 30, Thou hast found favor with God. Do you remember the definition of grace? Do you remember the definition of grace? Unmerited favor. The favor of God, unmerited. If it was merited, it would not be grace. If you earned it, if you deserved it, if you did something good enough to get it, it would no longer be grace. Otherwise, grace would be no more grace. It's unmerited. The favor that God shows on this young woman, Mary, at this moment, Gabriel lets her know it's the favor of God that you get to have this mission that God's put on you. It's God's favor. Any kindness we get from God would be his favor. Any good thing that he does for us would be called his grace. The only reason any human can have salvation, forgiveness of sin, is because and by his grace. We don't earn it. We never could. We never will. We just get grace. Grace, the favor of God. Oh, hallelujah. This virgin birth? Mary didn't earn it. She didn't live a sinless life. She's a human. She's contaminated like all humans. But God's favor was extended to her. Since we're talking about it, God's favor is extended to me and you. Some of, us, some of us have received that favor, that grace. So let me just talk to you. You that have received it, let me just say something else to you. 
He's still extending grace to you right now. After we got saved and after we're born again, we still we still must have the favor, the grace of God. So that's the only reason we're in this room today. It's God's grace. Now, if you're not a believer, if you don't have forgiveness of sin, good news. God's grace, his favor is extended to you today. Whosoever will. Amen. says that it was a virgin birth. Two times in verse 27 says she's a virgin. She's going to have a baby without the assistance of some human. Wow, that's like impossible. Yeah, it is. But not with God. It's just baffling to me. People that say they are theologues, they say they are in some kind of religious work out there that they think that it's so far fetched for a virgin to have a baby that they go, well, it really that's not what that really means. Just as a young woman is what it means. Well, Mary herself knew she was a virgin. She said it. Verse 34, I know not a man. How can I have a baby? How shall this be? Is everybody with me? Well, what kind of theologian is going to argue with the girl? <laughs> Insane. Verse 31. He shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He's going to be the Savior. Not only the Savior, he's going to be divine. Verse number 32. And he shall be called great and shall be called the son of the. Did you notice that highest there? It's capitalized. It's a proper name, proper name. His name is the highest. I don't know if you're getting this or not, but there's only one of all history that would be considered the highest. And this baby you're going to have is the son of the highest. <laughs> Says he will have the throne of David. I want to come back to that in a bit, but I want to consider this. Mary had heard the name Jesus before. Historians will tell you that Jesus was a common name in their day. There were other boys named Jesus. But the name Jesus still had significant meaning to them when they heard it. The name Jesus would be the Greek way to say the Hebrew name. Jesus in Greek in Hebrew, it would be called Joshua. Now, some of us are familiar with that, that in one language, they say it one way and then another, they say it another. And I'm not, you know, adept at any language, but I do know that Jorge is a Spanish name. But if you translated his name over into English, you wouldn't call him Jorge. You call him George. I mean, George. George. If you take Joshua and bring it over to the Greek in Jesus period of history, it would be called Jesus. The first time Joshua shows up in Scripture, it's the fellow who followed Moses. Joshua, the one that went in to Canaan. He was one of the 12 spies. How many were bad? Proud of you, some of you. How many were good? Amen. Good job. But Joshua's name wasn't Joshua when he was born. In Deuteronomy 32, it says, Moses came and spake all these words in the song of the ears of the people. He and Hoshea 
the son of Nun. Now, my Bible reading throughout most of my life, whenever I'd read Hosea, and I went, well, that's just another way to say Joshua. Because in the Bible, it does that. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadrezzar. You go, well, I, they're the same people. Is everybody with me? Jeremiah, Jeremiah. And there's these, they say them, and you go, well, okay. So I just thought, well, Hosea, that's just another way to say Joshua. Actually, his parents named him Hosea. Moses called him Joshua. See, he was born in Egypt, Joshua. Hosea was born in Egypt. They're in bondage. They've been there for 400 years. Hosea does mean salvation. But when Hosea was used in some settings, it was used as a cry, as a sigh, as a sob. Hosea, we need salvation. We need help here. Somebody, Hosea's. And it's this sob. It includes with it, though, a hope that salvation would come sometime. Hopefully, that's what the Jews were. They didn't want to stay in Egypt forever. 400 years is, in my brain, it's like a long time. You're telling your great, great, great grandparents, I thought we weren't going to be here long. I thought we were leaving this place. Everybody should be named Hoshea. Yeah. But as Hoshea grew up and now he's Moses' right-hand man, and it was time now for Hoshea to take up the work, Moses changed his name. Moses takes the name Jehovah, and he takes the name Hoshea, and he blends them together. Jehoshia. Jehoshua. Is everybody with me? And he names him Joshua. Jehovah salvation. Hoshea is just salvation. Please save us. We need this salvation. It's a cry. It's a sob. Please, we want it. But now it says, oh, no. Jehovah saves. And when God saves, something's going to happen. Amen. 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 <laughs> so when Jesus came, if you want to move your ribbon over to Matthew and flip it back, put the ribbon in Luke, you can do that. That's what I just did. But in Matthew 1.18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when the mother of Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So it comes down and that the angel, it says, Joseph being a, her husband being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. While he thought of these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name, say it out loud, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, God, the Savior, Jehovah, the Savior. The angel told him his name, and he told him what his name means. For he shall save his people from their sins. At long last, it's no longer just a hope. It's not just a song, but it's a reality. The one who fulfills the meaning of the name perfectly, he is here. Jesus. Jehovah saves. Somebody say amen. God is the Savior. And in Luke chapter 1, go back over there, it says, his name shall be Jesus, for he shall be great. You ever thought about that? How great is he? He shall be great. This young girl, this young woman, when she hears Gabriel say he shall be great, I'm sure she didn't do what I'm doing right now. Let's ponder the word great. But I guarantee you, as days passed, she didn't forget. He shall be great. How great. 
Matthew 12, it says he's greater than the temple. Matthew 12 says he's greater than Jonah. Matthew 12 says he's greater than Solomon. Acts 7 says he's greater than Moses. I'll just say it like this. He's greater than everybody. He is the greatest. <laughs> Mercy saves. How big is he? How great is he? I thought it was fascinating. Ephesians 4, it says that he, that he might fill all things with his divine presence. He's so big. He's so great. He can fill up everything. How great is he? Well, he has all power in heaven and in earth. I'm thinking he's pretty great. Amen. The Bible says he provides a great salvation. I'm going to give you a chance to say amen in church and be happy about it, okay? He provides a great salvation. Mercy. If you can't be acknowledged, if you cannot acknowledge and you cannot see that your salvation is unbelievably great. If someone has to talk you into it, maybe you just don't know what it is. He's a great high priest. So he shall be called the Son, capital H, the highest. It was a common saying in their day and time that calls someone the Son of it had some significance to it. In their day, often they would use the phrase the son of, and you could go through the list and so on, but he's the son of the highest. One of the ways they use the son of, it's like, he's just like his dad. He's a carbon copy of his dad. He's the son of the highest. Now, God bless Nancy and I. We had two children, but we don't have boys. And I'm not mad about it. But I didn't get blessed with boys. But I have a grandson. And his name is Ryder. I'll just go ahead and tell you, Ryder David Mosley. But little Ryder Mosley, he's now nine. And he acts like he's nine. That means he might not make it till he's 10. <laughs> you that are laughing, you know what nine-year-old boys are like. But he does look like his dad. When you see pictures of Brian when he was a little fellow. And when Ryder was three years old, he could give you a face an expression, how does a three-year-old be able to do that? But it looks just like his dad when he's looking at you like, that might be the dumbest question I've ever heard. <laughs> Brian has that ability and Ryder does too, when doesn't even know he has it. <laughs> Ryder is the son of Brian, he has his father's qualities, some of his personality. Jesus is the son of the highest. He is a carbon copy of God. He is God in the flesh. Somebody say amen. Just because I want to and I wrote it down, I'm going to. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the, look up here, in the beginning was the capital W Word. And the capital W Word was with God. And the Word was God. In verse 14, and the capital W Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's just like God because He is God. John 5 says, therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but they said also that 
God was his, that he said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, being made of a woman, made under the law. I don't know if you got that or not. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. If he sent him, he was somewhere before he sent him. Amen. And we say it often that our Savior left the portals of glory. He left heaven itself and came down here to this third rate little cursed ball called earth and became a man. John 8, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, Jesus said, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old. How hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto thee, before Abraham was. I am. Mercy that made them mad. <laughs> then they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. These Jewish people knew when he said, I am, they knew exactly where that came from. Amen. Just fascinating to me. It's just fascinating that Jesus hid himself. He just says, before Abraham was, I am. Well. You know where he is? Let's <laughs> hit himself. I don't know if Jesus was a giggler, but that would be a good time to giggle. <laughs> Mercy. Micah, but thou every time. Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. This one that's coming from Bethlehem, he's from everlasting. I'll just say it out loud. His name is Jesus. He's a carbon copy of God. He is God in the flesh. The Revelation says they sing the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are thy works. Here's what they say in heaven. Great and marvelous are thy works. I don't know if you're hearing this or not. This is what they say in heaven. Great and marvelous are thy works. Lord God Almighty. That's the song of the Lamb, friend. His name is Jesus. There's no doubt about it. He's God in the flesh. Carbon copy. He's always been the Son of God since eternity past. So let's just go ahead and acknowledge that He still is. Let's go ahead and acknowledge that we should still honor Him as such. Yeah. Luke chapter 1, I don't know where you are, but if you're at Luke 1, I'll just try to do this fairly quickly. Luke 1 verse 32, He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there shall be no end. Gabriel declares to Mary, and now to all of us, that there's going to be five distinct things that are going to happen. His name shall be called Jesus, God the Savior. Somebody say Amen. That's already happened. He shall be great. <laughs> That's already happened. He shall be called the son of the highest. Glory to hallelujah. That's already happened. He is. And then it says, the last two, the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. These two particulars haven't happened physically yet. Oh, they've happened. He already is Lord. He already is King of Kings. He already does reign. But physically, for it to specifically happen, it hasn't happened yet. But the Bible does declare that he will be over the throne of his father, David. Why is that significant? 
Well, Matthew 1, you know, if you want to, you can look at it. But in verse 1 and 2, I'll just read it to you real quick. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It automatically links David, the throne, the king, with Abraham. Okay, so David, Abraham. And then it goes back and it says, okay, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And so it starts going through the lineage from Abraham all the way up to Christ. In verse 6, it says, and Jesse begat David the king in Matthew 1, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been wife of Urias. So it just is letting you know that Jesus from Abraham got all the way to David the king. And then it goes Solomon. Is everybody with me? Solomon was on the throne. So David is going to, I mean, the Lord is going to rule from the throne of David. That's why this is going across like this. And I just will say to you that in verse 20 in Matthew 1, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in him in a dream saying, hey, Joseph, thou son of David. David is in the lineage of Joseph. Although Joseph did not have any physical thing to do with the Lord's birth, because he is in the family of Joseph, he gets to have connection all the way back to the throne of David. Is everybody with me? Absolutely. So since we're talking about it, the lineage of Mary is given in the book of Luke. Mary's lineage, it says in Luke 3, 23, if you want to look at it, it says this, it says, and Jesus himself being about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of Methat, which was the son of Levi. Mercy. It's going all the way down through this lineage. I'll talk about it. Just a minute. Look at it. I want to show you verse 31. It says, uh, which was the son of Melia, which was the son of Menan, which was the son of Mathatha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. Oh, so wait a minute. Nathan, I thought Solomon was the son of David. He was. And Solomon is where the kingly line, the throne went. Nathan didn't sit on the throne, but he's still the son of David. Mary's line goes through Nathan to David. So if you take Joseph and you take Mary to get back to David, it's almost, it's almost as if the only two people on the planet that could fulfill being of the throne of David is Joseph and Mary. Is everybody hearing that? That's several generations removed. I know that since we're here, I might as well go ahead and be honest, talk to you about verse 30, 23. It says, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. I thought Joseph was the son of Jacob. In Matthew, he's the son of Jacob. Now he's the son of Heli. What is that about? Well, if you read the lineage, it's obvious that's not going back through Solomon. It's going back through the son Nathan. So Heli goes through Nathan. So why would they say Joseph, he can't be the son of two people? And so the, the understanding is that it's the lineage of Mary and that Joseph is the son-in-law of Heli. Is everybody with me? So he's the son-in-law and it's still this line that goes back to David. He's the son-in-law of Heli because he's married to Mary. Is everybody with me? So I'm just telling you, Jesus is not yet physically on the throne of David, but he will be. Nathan said, and to Samuel, the prophet Nathan said, Thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. He's not talking to Jesus right there. The prophet Nathan is talking to David. And God says, okay, David, through you, there will be a throne that is forever. 
Who is it? His name is Jesus. Gabriel just tells her he's going to sit on the throne of his father, David. The throne of David. How long? Oh, forever. In Psalm uh, 89, it says, David, in the psalm, it says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant, thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. God promised he's going to do it. Matthew Henry, for any of you that I know that Pastor Gaddis quotes him quite often, but he writes totally different than I'm able to write. I'm not like this, but so I'm going to read what he said. The scepter had been long departed from that ancient and honorable family. It should now at length return to it again, to remain in it, not by succession, but in the same hand to eternity. His people will not give him that throne, will not acknowledge his right to rule them, but the Lord God shall give him a right to rule them. Amen. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess. Somebody say amen. amen. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom, there will be no end. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is ruler. He is reigning. He is, has his kingdom and it's never going to end. It's just that we don't get to see it physically yet, but one day we will. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, Gabriel's talking to Mary. Surely these promises that Gabriel gives her reminds Mary of what every Jew is looking for, the Messiah. He's going to sit on the throne of David forever. Every Jew wanted that to happen. They hoped it would happen in their lifetime, just like you and I hope that Jesus will come back in our lifetime. Amen. They were looking for it. They're wanting it. Mary would have understood what Gabriel was saying, that this is the promise that has been promised so long ago. She did not doubt the angel's message. She just didn't know how it was going to happen. She didn't doubt. She said, well, that ain't going to happen. She's, she just said, well, how are you going to do this? Is everybody with me? Uh, maybe you're not getting what I'm trying to get across because I haven't told you yet. Mary knew She's a young woman. We don't know her age. Some people think she's in her young 20s. Some even would put her in their teen years. I don't know. I know this. She was young and she was a virgin. And I know this. She knew what Gabriel was saying was a promise they were looking for. Please hear this. Young people ought to know what we're looking for. I'm weary with teenagers and children that have no idea who we are and what we believe and what the Bible says. They don't have a clue. When Gabriel said to her, hey, the Messiah, Jesus, Jehovah's Savior is coming, told uh, uh, Joseph she'll save his people from their sins. She wasn't going, well, I've never heard this before. What's this about? She just says, how shall this be? Is everybody with me? I'm just saying, I think there's great value that we teach our children from the cradle all the way up that they ought to understand what's real in our life. This is not a placebo. It's not a philosophical exercise. It's not some mumbo jumbo stuff. This is reality. The Bible is real. God's son came born of a virgin. Just like God promised. Somebody say, man, mercy's sakes. So, here's my conclusion. His kingdom, there will be no end. It will be eternal. One day it will be visible. Just as certain as Jesus physically came, one day his kingdom will be visible. And he'll rule it forever. So in this room today, I would think that the majority of us and maybe every person in this room believes Jesus came. And if you don't believe he came, 
friend, you have some historical problems. History dem- demands that he came. We do have A, D, and B, C. Because of Jesus. So if you're a lot of come. I don't think you come. Well, you, you, need, you need some serious help. I believe we all believe he came. Now, does everybody in the room believe he came of a virgin? I would, I would think probably because of the room I'm in, all of us believe he was born of a virgin. But if you don't, well, it's okay. You have your right to believe that. The Bible said he did. I'll believe the Bible. So since we all believe that he came, he was born of a virgin. We believe that he will rule over the house of David. He will reign over his kingdom forever. And we should not have any problem at all believing he's coming back. That ought to be simple. He came. He died. He rose again. He's coming back. (laughs) But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Let not your heart be troubled, the Lord said. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again. Somebody say amen. Amen. Mercy. Jesus is telling the disciples, the apostles, you could say he's talking to his church. He's telling them that he's leaving. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. Jesus is talking to them and he, he's, he, starts, he starts going up. I know he didn't do this. You say, how, 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 how do you know that he just didn't zing? He was gone in a split second, like in a moment in a twinkling. How do you know that? Because how the Bible words it. It says a cloud received him out of their sight. So he just went up and climbed. He's gone. No. They were standing, gazing up into heaven. Two men in white apparel stood by them. They didn't even notice these guys showed up. They're all gone. I believe that some of them had better vision than the others. Peter's old, John's young. Peter's gone. Can't see him. Can you see him? And John's going, I've seen him real plain right there. I can see him right there. Peter's going. Can't see him. Hey, you men of, he said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? What? You don't know what just happened? Now I can't see him either. (laughs) Thanks. Why stand ye gazing up heaven? The same Jesus which is seen taken up from you into heaven shall so come again in like manner as you've seen him go. Excuse me? Same Jesus coming back. Same Jesus that was laid in a manger. He's coming back. Same Jesus that walked the streets of Galilee. He's coming back. The same Jesus that was nailed on a cross between two thieves and died for our sins. He's coming back. The same one that was buried and laid in Joseph's tomb. Three days later, he came out of that grave. He's coming back. The same one. If you don't have any trouble with Jesus being born of a virgin, fulfilling all the promises of God, you ought not have any trouble believing he's coming back. All right, all right, all right. Since you brought it up. It should do something to her heart. Him coming back. Oh, we love that he was born late in the manger. He got the sheep and the camels and all that stuff. We, and it is beautiful. It's precious. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's, but if you believe that, friend, you got to believe he's coming back. Shouldn't that make an impact on what we do? Shouldn't that make an impact on how we sing? 
how we serve, how we love, how we give, what we do in our life. Come on, friends. This is our last Sunday of 2021. Surely we can rededicate ourselves and say, God, in 2022, I want to live as if you're coming back. If you're not saved, oh, friend, he's coming. He came already for you. He wants to forgive you. If you reject him, there's consequences. If you don't know for sure you're forgiven, let us help you. We're not going to embarrass you. You don't have to give a speech in front of everybody, but if you'll let us help you, we'll pray with you. We'll show you how you can know you're forgiven. Wow. I ask you to stand with me. Thank you for listening. Let's bow our heads, please. Our great God, I come to you again. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the Bible. There's so much truth in there. And God, thank you that you give me privilege to try to tell some of the truth in there. Try to preach it. I pray all of us are honest with you. I just pray that we would be honest. Lord, we believe you came. Do we believe you're coming back? It, it should impact us. Jesus, for those that are not saved, they don't know for sure, please touch them. Convince, convict their heart right now. They're a sinner. They need a Savior. They're not ready for you to come back. They're not ready for eternity. Please touch them, Jesus. Our heads are bowed, and I just want to ask a couple of questions. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'd like to ask this question first. The last Sunday of 2021, how many in this room, you know, you know, 100% certain, you know you're forgiven of your sins? You've received Christ. There's no doubt in your mind. If that's your testimony, could you lift your hand? Could you lift the tie? I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can put your hand down. You that just raised your hand. Are you living like you believe he was virgin born? I guess I could say it like this. Are you living like he's coming back? Could be today. Does it make an impact on your life? I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I am going to ask you if you just acknowledge that there are some things in your life that God is speaking to your heart about. You want to be sure you're right with him or you want, to, you want to do better. You want to live for him. You want to bring glory to his name. This coming year that's right upon us. Is there any that would lift their hand? I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm just going to pray. I'm not even really going to pay attention to who's raising their hand and who's not. I'm just going to pray. You lift your hand and say, pray for me. Yeah. Dear God, I come to you on behalf of hearts that are being honest about where they are and their relationship to you. I pray for them. And I pray that we would love you and serve you and live for you like you're coming back. Our heads are still bowed. I don't want to embarrass one person, but I would ask you, if you're not sure you're forgiven, you'd like for me to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not going to come back and grab you, but I'm going to pray for you. Would you lift your hand? Just lift it. I'll pray for you. Just lift it up and I'll pray for you. I see your hand. Others of you, just lift your hand. I'm not going to come back and grab you. I'm going to pray for you. 
I'm not sure, I'm not ready. Dear God, I come to you on behalf of hearts that are not sure the trouble that they might have in their soul. I pray that you would bring conviction to their soul. They're not sure, they're not ready. I pray that you would touch them and that they, they understand they're a sinner and you want to be their savior, you want to forgive them. I pray that they would understand that and they would receive that, believe. They would let us help them. Lord, they'd make their way forward in the invitation, let us pray with them, or they would make sure they talk to someone in this building before it's too late. God, please have your way with us.